Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into to this topic uh, this morning, which I'll explain in a moment. But I'm going to actually read the passage. Okay, and here's the other thing. See this TV? It worked great when we were here and you, you know, the TV was there. So, um, Luke, can you see this? Well, okay, Luke's got great vision. So it's a little hard to see, so just open up your Bibles. Okay, so let's just open up our Bibles if you cannot see this. But we're going to go to, actually at the recommendation of Stephen Ermiger, we're going to go to Romans chapter 14 this morning. Romans chapter 14. And there is so much in this passage. We're not going to spend most of our time here. Um, but there's, we're just going to skim the surface. Okay, so in Romans chapter 14, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Okay, and we're going to show like highlights as we move forward. But I need to read the whole chapter for you to understand the context of what's being said. So this is going to be like a two-minute read, so let's just jump in, okay? Uh, this is out of the ESV, Romans 14, and I am beginning. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let the one who eats despise the one that not despise the one who abstains and let the one who abstains um, not pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him who are you to pass, pass judgment on the servant of another it is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand okay so there's this this dialogue taking place about one person's faith allows him to do this another person's does not how do we step into that relationship verse 5 one person esteems one day is better than another while another person esteems all days alike each one should be fully convinced in his own mind the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the lord the one who eats eats in honor of the lord since he gives thanks to god while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the lord and gives thanks to god for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So there's this relationship that we're right now focusing on that's Godward. So our behavior and our actions and decisions that we make ultimately are unto the Lord. Okay, but now here in a moment, he's going to switch that and he's going to start talking about how it relates to our brothers and our sisters. Okay, so picking up in verse number 10, he says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So we're still with God and our accountability to the Lord for our decisions, whatever they might be, to eat or to not eat, to observe a day or to not observe a day. Okay, verse number 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide, decide to never put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So now he pivots to our relationship with one another. 
I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. There's freedoms that the Lord's given us. There's nothing that's unclean, but if it is unclean for anyone who drinks it, okay, then it's unclean for them. So if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what you eat, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Verse number 16, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue, that's just a strong word, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it... If it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that would make a brother stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay. There's a lot happening in this passage. If you go over to Corinthians, you'll see a similar conversation that takes place. So just, I'm going to give you one example scripturally of what was happening. So there was this, this food that was sacrificed to idols, and then if it was sacrificed to idols, you knew you couldn't, you couldn't eat it afterward, okay? As a believer, right, you know, God would look at us and say, food's food, I'm God, there aren't, you know, these idols aren't even real. If you want to eat, eat it. If you don't, then, then don't. Okay, so you're saying there's nothing inherently wrong with this food that was sacrificed to idols? No, it's just food. You know, you're free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, is what the Word of God says. So you're free if you want to eat food, eat food. Okay, then I can eat the food. However, how about if there's an individual who has been trained in their thinking that you can't eat food that's sacrificed to idol. And I thought Mike Tierney, welcome to the house, by the way, it was a Christian, but now I see Mike over here eating this food. Oh, so Christianity must mean that there are multiple gods. Or Mike must not really believe, because if he really believed, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. So there's those kinds of things, special days, special foods, drinks, wine, you know, et cetera, that people could have freedom in but if your freedom caused someone else to stumble, then you might want to abstain because even though you're free to enjoy it, it could cause pain for someone else. So what do you do? Now, that sounds like an, a weird introduction into what we're talking about, okay? But there's this passage in Ephesians 4.32 that you don't need to look up. It's so simple. Let me, let me read this to you. It says, be kind to one another, Okay, be kind to one another. We're looking at different ways in these days in which there is a pandemic. Has anyone been alive and gone through another pandemic before? There's a pandemic, um, and the divisions with this pandemic are even, they're real. Okay, um, you know, the political issues that are coming up from it and just the different opinions on it, you know, those are real. There's political unrest unlike I've ever seen, okay? And it may have been worse, but I just don't remember it being this bad before. Real divisions. There's um, racial prejudices and deep-seated division 
that's just there, and we don't talk about it. And there's now civil unrest all around us. And I sent this out to a bunch of you all the other day, but like Kyle Simcox, it's my daughter's you know, boyfriend, only boyfriend she's ever had. He's like 20 years old, and he's been called up with the National Guard, and he's now in Washington, D.C., trying to keep peace. He's 20 years old, and he's going to D.C. in this moment to try to keep peace. You know, keep Kyle in your prayers, but those things are happening in our lifetime, and they're all around us. So taking this concept of how do we honor God with what we can and cannot do, and then how do we um, just step into these relationships with people, and how do we ensure that we're being kind to them, being kind one to another? That's what we're going to talk about, okay? So let's go back to the passage, and this theology of kindness in the midst of uncertain times, you know, how do we go about doing that? So I'm praying for us right now, and I'm just praying that these words and and the scriptures that we're going to look at, which are many, that they would just come alive. So if you don't mind, let's pray. Uh, Father, we, um, we just take your word and we just open it up and we're just praying that you would reveal yourself to us. And in light of everything that I just mentioned that's happening in our world, Lord, help us to know how to be kind to one another. In Christ's name I pray, amen. The bad thing is the way we're spread out. Man, if you spill something on the floor here, everybody sees it. It's a community project to clean it up. So it's all good. So hey, just ignore sunshine and pretend like that she's not like on the floor cleaning up a mess right now. <laughs> well, such is life. It's okay. It's okay, sunshine. We're just glad to see you. Okay, truth number one. I'm going to hit you today with four truths, okay? We're looking at four truths, and then we're going to look at four kind of go-to passages. There's a lot more than four, and there's a lot more than four truths, but y'all don't want to be here all day. Okay, so four truths and four go-to passages. Do you remember when we talked about what a disciple is? Okay, and I tried to break it down to make it real simple. Okay, so a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Man, we've spent like 10 weeks in this series. You follow Jesus but you can't follow Jesus unless you're actually obeying Jesus. And if you're truly being a disciple, then you're also light in this world. So you're taking Jesus into the world. That's someone who is a disciple. I'm following, obeying Jesus, and I'm being Jesus in my world. In essence, that's what you're trying to do. Okay? So that last part is what we're focusing on right now. Following Jesus, yes. Understanding his scripture and obeying it, yes. But how can I step into this world, into this chaos, into this pandemic of a, a situation, how can I step into that and actually be Jesus in this world and not get caught up in it in such a way that my flesh begins to like be what surfaces instead of the Spirit of God? So the truth, the first truth that we're looking at is Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. If real and sustainable, it must be, this is one of our words, supernatural. Okay? If it's real and sustainable, it has to be supernatural. Well, what do I mean by that? You know, believers can be kind, unbelievers can be kind. We're talking about something different here. So we're talking about Ephesians 5.18 when it says, be filled with the Spirit. 
I always use this illustration because in the Greek, what it's saying there is not just be filled with the Spirit one time. It says, be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continual being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when you hear that, picture a sponge. And we're getting ready to take a test in a moment. Okay, so you picture a sponge. Okay, it looks like a sponge. I don't know if there's anything in it or not. How can I find out what is in it, if anything is in it? What do I do? Squeeze it. You put pressure on it, right? So when you put pressure on the sponge, what comes out? Well, we don't know. But whatever's in is what comes out. Do you see that? So when we're talking about kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, that's what we're talking about. This is, um, remember, the, you know, the vine and the branches. You know, Jesus is like, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You know, if, you, if a man remains in me, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's co this connectedness to the vine that is what we're referring to. So the sponge test looks like this. Okay, so there's your sponge. And we can see that there's something, you know, coming out of that because there's pressure that's been applied. So the kind of kindness that I'm referring to is, you know, what comes out of you, and I'm just giving you a couple examples. You know, what comes out of you, like when you listen to the news and someone saying something that you just think is crazy? What comes out when you have a disagreement with a friend or a family member? What happens when you're having a conversation with someone about COVID and your political angle is completely different than theirs? What happens, just make it real, what happens when someone cuts you off in the middle of the road? You know, what happens if you're getting ready to get a parking space and someone pulls in front of you? What happens if you can't get on the internet, for goodness sakes? Okay, example after example after example. What I'm alluding to is, and we can then take this and apply it to kindness, whether it be racial or whether it be COVID or whatever. But when pressure is applied in your life, what is it that's coming out? You got an answer? You don't have to answer this one. This is like an answer you just give to yourself and to the Lord. But I'm glad you got an answer because a lot of us, we're not really sure. We're like, let me think. Think about some scenarios that have taken place and when pressure was put in, all of a sudden, rah, 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 right? Or there's this rudeness that comes out and you're like, where in the world did that come from? Well, it, it came from within. It was already there. You didn't know it was there until pressure was applied. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that allows you to be supernaturally kind that even when pressure is applied to you, what comes out of you is love. And it's a gentleness. It's a kindness. It's a patience. You know, there's self-control. There's a meekness that's there. It's all of that and more. You can't, here, here's the point. You cannot manufacture that on your own. There's not a pill or a, an herbal supplement that you can take that will allow when pressure is applied that what will come out of you will be supernaturally good, holy, kind. You can't do it, okay? And in this moment, as we're stepping into everything that we're stepping into, we have to be connected to God if we are going to be Jesus in this world. At a minimum, we believers, followers of Jesus that are obeying Jesus and they're trying to be light in this world, at a minimum, no matter what the situation, we should be the kindest people on the planet right now. 
And there's different ways that that can work itself out, but we must be kind. Now, and we'll briefly talk about it. That doesn't mean that we give up our beliefs, that we give up our rights. That doesn't mean that we don't have debate when someone's wrong. You know, th there's healthy ways of doing that, but at a minimum, there's something about speaking the truth in love that enables us to be kind. So how did you do? Taking the sponge test, is it what's coming out? Is it yourself, you know, or are you putting others first? Scripture says consider the needs of other people more important than your own. Yeah, do you get frustrated, or is there a forbearance that's there? Does rudeness come out? Golly, I see this one at home. You know, that's your training ground as a disciple, and I'm like, just a smart aleck sometimes. And I'm like, where did that come from? I actually have to go back to my wife and apologize again just for being rude over some stupid thing. And it's like there, and that's why it comes out. Um, do you talk the whole time? Or do you have the ability to actually listen to what people are saying? Do you argue, or are you prayerful as this conversation is taking place that the Lord would help you to understand the root of what they're trying to say so that you don't find yourself arguing back? You know, are you stepping out in fear, or is there faith that's there? The, the point is that these are the things that will come out, and this is just an example, and whatever comes out when pressure is applied, if you, you don't like what's coming out, we just need to repent, and we need to abide, okay? So that's our first point. The second truth is that the love of God, and this is simple, and I'm going to hit it quickly, and then we're going to move on. The love of God is, of course, the foundation for this kindness. Um, Ephesians 3.17 says it this way. It says that we are to be rooted, rooted. My neighbor, who's my brother-in-law, yesterday took down two big trees, and they've been there forever. And man, the roots were deep, and they went way, way, way out. Well, Jesus is saying to us that we are to be rooted and established in love. That should be our foundation, okay? It's way below the surface. It goes deep, and it goes all the way back to the gospel. We can take the gospel, and that gives us the foundation for why we should love and why we should be kind. For God so loved the world that he gave. So we trace our ability to be kind back to the fact that there is a God not just that forgave you of your sins, because people look at that as being the greatest fringe benefit or going to heaven, right, of being a Christian. It's deeper than that. It's better than that, okay? It's the fact that he loved us enough that he pursued us and he allows us to commune with him and have a relationship with him. The one who spoke all things into existence knows us and loves us. That's the glory of the gospel. It's that love of God that compels us to look at our brother differently, to look at situations differently, to look at this world differently, and to respond differently. And what I'm suggesting is the theology of kindness, the theology is the study of God, this theology of kindness traces itself back to Almighty God, okay? So we, we don't have to be logical. We don't have to win our argument right? We just, but we do have to be kind. At a minimum, we do have to be kind to our brothers and sisters. Truth number three, kindness allows us to have and love our freedoms and convictions, but not at the expense of hurting a brother or sister. So this is what Romans 14 is all about. If I had to do over, I would have reworded it and they have said, kindness allows us to have our convictions and love 
our freedoms, but not at the expense of hurting a brother or sister. It's really, in essence, um, the same thing. So it's not saying if you're going to be kind, you have to choose your opinions, or you think it's okay to eat this meat, or to, to drink a glass of wine, or, um, you know, you, whatever. You know, there are people that feel like, you know what, based upon what's going on, I feel like I need to wear a mask at all times. Then you should, because it's between you and the Lord. There are other people who would say, I don't think I need to wear a mask. But then you're around people that are wearing masks. What do we do? We step into that and say, I have to give up my right, in this case, you know, to love my brother. Okay, so you don't, your convictions don't go away but sometimes we have to adjust for other people, okay? Because you never want to take your conviction or your belief and, and hold on to it so tightly that you end up hurting a brother or a sister. So there's this give and take that takes place. So we have to love our brother or sister more than food, drink, opinion about COVID, um, opinion about masks, or any kind of political convictions. So um, I said this earlier, but the understanding of biblical kindness does not mean that you have to succumb to the opinions of others to say, I really disagree, I think what you're saying is unbiblical, I think it's wrong, but I need to be kind, so I'm just going to agree with you. No, that's not what it's saying at all, you know, but it's saying that we can speak the truth and we can do it in love. And in areas where you can kind of give up a freedom of yours in order to love a brother, then you do so. You know, if we come in this morning and I see people walking in with masks on, I'm like, I'm probably going to wear mine, you know, as I greet people, because I love my person, my brother, more than I love my conviction that I don't think I need to wear a mask. I don't know if that's a good example, you know, or not, but these are the kinds of things that we need to make decisions on, kind of on a moment-by-moment basis with everything that's happening in our world. Okay, so, and I, I say that kindness is shown in meekness, and I've always looked at meekness as being, I know what I believe, right? I've got convictions and confidence in what I believe, there's this confidence that I have, but it's, it's bridled, it's, it's covered with love. So I don't have to be right. I don't have to win every argument. And there's sometimes I should just keep my mouth shut and allow the other person to speak and show them that I care enough just to love them and listen to them. Okay, truth number four. Truth number four. Kindness sees the pursuit of unity as a noble and God-honoring goal. Kindness sees the pursuit. That was that word we saw earlier in Romans 14. The pursuit of unity as a noble and God-honoring goal. So there's two passages here I'm going to read to you. The first one is Ephesians 4, 1 and 3. Listen to this. This is a great passage. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been received, or to what you've been called, with all, here's a key word, with all humility, okay, humility instead of pride, with a gentleness, okay, gentleness instead of just this, this roughness in the way that we're approaching things, with patience versus impatience, bearing with one another. I remember the NIV on this passage, it says put up with one another. You bear with one another, you put up with one another in, in love, and there's this word that says in eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, we're eager to maintain. We pursue it with humility and with gentleness and bearing with people. Psalm 33 says it this way. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, when brothers dwell together in unity. 
It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, which signifies the Holy Spirit, by the way, on the beard of Aaron running down on his collars and his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the Mount of Zion. For there, which is talking about unity, for in unity, for there, the Lord commands his blessings and life forevermore. It's when we're united, when we're loving one another, when we're kind to one another, that the Lord just loves us through the power of his Holy Spirit. Okay, so if you're a Camp Redstone kid and you're hearing all of these things that I've said, there's a lot of words. So I'm going to break it down. So here's what I just said, okay? I said, number one, kindness is supernatural, okay? It's supernatural. Number two, kindness comes from the love of God. Number three, Kindness tries really hard not to hurt other people. Do you see that? Kindness goes out of its way not to hurt someone else. Even when you disagree with them, even when you're right, even whatever, it's like, no, I'm going to put this person in front of myself and I'm going to try not to hurt them. And four, kindness strives for, or it goes hard after this word that we call unity. In essence, that's what we're saying, okay? Now, I'm going to give you some verses that go along with this. So there's our truths. Then what does the word of God say, and how can we take it and apply it with some real-life examples? So there's four of these. And if you got your Bible, I just encourage you to look them up and to mark them, write them down, and go back to them later. So, But before we do so, understand, remember with the um, Sermon on the Mount, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus is looking at, um, you know, the people, and he's saying, you, you know, you were told, or, you know, it was said to you, you know, that, you know, you should uh, be loving to people, and he's like, you know, I'm going further than that, you know, instead of just loving people that are kind to you, you know, you should love your enemies, he says, if someone is kind to someone that's kind to them, or if someone loves someone that loves, to, loves them, he said, well, what's the big deal about that? Even non-believers do that. Even people that don't even believe that I'm God can be nice to people that are nice to them, and they can love people that are loved to them, be generous to people that are generous to you. He says, I'm calling you to not only do more than that, but to do so much more than that. I'm calling you to love your enemies. I'm calling you to pray for those who persecute you. So that's what I'm saying. This kindness that we're referring to here, it has to come from God. It has to be poured out from Him. We have to spend time with Him. We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to be led by the Spirit. We have to keep in step with the Spirit. And we have to be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis. Because that's the only way when pressure comes that this kindness will come out. But for me to say, not only am I going to love my brother and love someone who's kind you know, to me, how about my enemies? How about people that don't believe like me at all? Or how about people I just think are just wrong? You know, how about people that are persecuting me? How about people that are making fun of me? I can love them? That's what Jesus is calling us to. I mean, in short, I could just say this and we can go home. Our response has to be different than the world's. It has to be. We have to be Jesus to the world. I'll talk more, maybe more about this next week. I promise you, I'm going to give you these four passages in a moment. 
but like I'm going to step into the racial divide for a moment, just, just briefly. You know, so I was in a conference call this week with a whole bunch of pastors, and we were doing Zoom so we could, you know, see each other's faces, and probably 10 of the pastors were African-American, and probably, you know, seven or eight um, were not, okay? And I was one of the were nots, just in case you didn't know that. And, um, <laughs> but I'm so tan. Yes, I am, right? And, you know, so in, in this conversation, you know, these were our believers. These people love the Lord, and we're saying, man, we've got to come together. You know, we've got to be united. And, um, you know, in, in this moment, you know, one of the individuals like me says, I really don't think we've got any kind of race issues at all. And the other, you know, individuals are like, dude, you don't even know what we deal with. You don't even know what we deal with. And it turned into this interesting conversation. And I just kind of stepped back and I listened. And I was like, oh, for one thing, I don't know because I don't necessarily pursue relationships that I should, or I don't take time you know, to listen. But I saw even in my own heart that there was more fear of the unknown you know, than there was faith in engagement, be willing to engage someone that I don't you know, understand. And then the negative is that one individual said, well, you know what the answer is? The answer is that we just need to let our uh, opinions be known at the ballot box in November. And I'm like, no, no. Donald Trump or Joe Biden is not the answer to our problem. The stuff that's coming out of our hearts is sin. The gospel is the only hope that we have. And if we as pastors don't know that, if we think that some election is going to make peace come and kindness come to everyone, it's not. The only hope that we have is to understand that the God of the universe knows that we're sinner, and it says that he stooped down to meet us where we were at, and he gave himself. He incarnated. He came and he dwelt among us, and he willingly died on a cross so that he would take all of our sins, give us a new identity, and give us himself in our lives and our hearts to give us the ability to love people that are not like us. It's supernatural. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, if we as pastors don't know that Jesus is the answer, then we got problems. And I've got a gap in my own life, and I have to be willing to step in to that. How can I do that? Well, let's talk about that, because that's some of these passages. The first one I'm going to give you is, oh, I'm used to the office time we're actually doing okay you know at the office i would now say oh we got to wrap up but i'm okay with speaking a little bit longer because we go longer live that's just the way it is okay okay titus 3 2 titus 3 2 this one should be our motto To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and then listen to this last part, to show perfect courtesy to all people. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever noticed that phrase before? So as you're going about being a follower of Jesus in this world, you are to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling? Really? How do you do that? 
to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy to all people. You know, what does that look like when you don't wear a, want to wear a mask or sanitize your hands again, but you're stepping into an environment where that's expected? Or when the person sitting across from you, you find out, is supporting a political party that you think is just crazy? What, is, what does that look like? You know, what is the word or what are the words perfect, perfect courtesy? What do those mean? I challenge us as a new church plant in Elizabeth and Tennessee to find out. Find out what Jesus is saying to you about in your world and the people that you're connected to at work and with family and with neighbors and friends. How can you show perfect courtesy to all of those people? And it says all people, all people, black, white, Republican, Democrat, those that think that the whole COVID thing is just some kind of a weird joke, you know, and it's a scam of some sort. Um, and then others that are truly, truly afraid and maybe that are connected to someone who's either sick right now or who's even passed away. Stepping into a business that requires you to sanitize and put on your mask and to whatever else in order to be able to purchase things there. I mean, how do we step in to these situations, these environments, these relationships, these conversations? Well, let's start with trying to figure out how we show perfect courtesy to all people. There's just something there. There's something magical and there's something supernatural there. It's kind. It's kind. Okay, James 119. Here's your second one says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, here's a question for you. See if you know the answer. Do you know why that God gave us two ears and only one mouth? What's the answer? Yes. Because we are to listen twice as much as we speak. How many people do just the opposite in this room? Yeah, I'm just, I'm the worst. And sometimes I'm like, Jerry, just be quiet. I started saying something else there. But be quiet. You know, listen. We need to be better listeners. You know, so after I was involved with that conversation this week, the next day I stepped into a very similar conversation with someone else who was an African-American, and I just listened. I don't think I said anything. I just sat there and listened. And I listened for a long time. And it was good for my soul to just to take time to listen, to understand someone else's opinion, someone else's viewpoint, someone else's struggles, someone else's life in a way that I had not understood before. There's something beautiful about just being willing and taking time to listen. 2 Timothy 2, 23, which we won't look up, says, have nothing to do with foolish or ignorant controversies. You know, it takes us that, that much further. So it's when it's saying like the, you know, avoid quarreling up in Titus 3, 2. I mean, have nothing to do with foolish arguments. Sometimes you need to just say, whether it be on Facebook or whether it be face-to-face, -face, you know what, 
I don't think it's healthy for me to be a part of this conversation. I think I'm going to go get a coffee. I think I'm going to bow out. And just knowing to step out is sometimes a good thing. Because if you're like, I think if pressure is applied to me right now, you're not going to like what comes out. And I think I need to go just walk away. Or I think I need to go spend some time praying. But giving you know, ourselves this understanding of when that needs to take place may be the kindest thing that you can do in a moment by stepping aside instead of stepping into and um, saying something that you'll regret later. Okay, here's a different one. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.11. As believers, how about if we live quietly you to mind our own affairs, work with our hands, there's this idea as believers, and there's work that needs to be done. Let's just work hard. Let's be people that work hard as unto the Lord, but we live a quiet life. You know, we avoid strife and conflict. Uh, we don't have to be busybodies knowing what other people are saying or what their opinions is. We don't have to do that. Our response is just different. We don't have anything to prove. You know, we're, we're accepted by the king. We're loved by the king. He's called us. He's redeemed us. He's reconciled us. He's justified us. He's forgiven us. He's made us his own. He has given us present tense eternal life as individuals that no longer have to fear death. So this other stuff that's happening out here, you know, I don't, I don't have to go get in, involved in that. Now, what I'm not saying is that Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't in, in, involve ourselves in in. Um, necessary um, debates. I think that we should do that. But even when we do that, we need to do it with perfect courtesy. You know, there's, there's a time to speak and there's a time not to. And sometimes we get confused with those. And I do think that there's something to just stepping away, saying, nope, that's a controversy I don't think I should get involved in right now. And I think I just need to be quiet and listen to this person right now and save my words for another day. And then Romans 14, 9, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let us pursue. It's something that we go after. You know, we pursue, you know, that girl, you know, or we pursue whatever. You know, uh, if you're hunting, you pursue, you know, that deer, you know, but how do we pursue what makes for peace? What does that look like? How do we pursue that? Well, if nothing else, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake. Do you remember that as one of our follow me lessons uncomfortableness for the gospel's sake sometimes means willing to step into a relationship and to a conversation with someone who's just not like you just to love them and to let them let them know that you love them to be willing to listen to them that's one of the ways that we can pursue that verse 5 of romans 14 that we read early says people are going to have different opinions so if you think that if I can apply my logic to this conversation, to this one, to this one, to this one, we'll just all get on the same page and then there will be bliss. It's just not the case. I remember as a young believer, I remember we had a Bible study at my apartment and we, every Thursday night we had a bunch of people that would come and I would teach one week and my buddy would teach the next week and then I would teach and then he would teach. I look back on those years, probably 28 years ago, I actually taught some heresy. I taught some things that were just dumb, that were not biblical, that were just wrong. I pulled scriptures out and I taught them, but I was wrong. You know, that's a long time ago. But in that moment, I'm still a believer, but my convictions were so much different, different. And I had some theology that was wrong. Well, that's been corrected over 28 years. Okay? But I also, I mean, this is 
It is what it is. I'll just throw it out there. You know me. So I also used to think it was a sin to drink a glass of wine. You know, I just did. I mean, that's just part of my upbringing. Here's the rules. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. And if you do this one, you're going to hell. You know, I don't care what you believe. It was like that. And that's not negative toward family or to my church or whatever. I'm just saying that if you're around enough morality and if you're around enough religion, those things become your own. And I used to get into these debates, even in Bible college, right? I would get in debates with people on this stuff. And sometimes I would win the debate. And now I'll look back on it and I'm like, well, what a fool I was. I didn't really understand the context of Scripture well. What I'm saying is, some things, it's not a matter of right and wrong. Some things, it's just a matter of maturity. Remember the Philippians you know, 1-6 passage, he who began a work in you, within you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So there's a day that you come to Christ, and then there's this work of sanctification as, he, as he's trying to make you more like Jesus Christ, but it does not happen immediately. He will teach you things as you go. So this brother that you're looking at right now, and you're saying, dude, you're just wrong love them be patient with them be kind to them listen to them or if they really need to be corrected correct them well you know correct them in love so there are times when it's orthodox when it's a true belief so this is paul you know looking at peter and saying peter you're wrong you know what you're saying in this situation that affects the truth of the gospel you need to change your thinking you need to repent and peter did so there are times we have to look at another brother and say now, this belief I can't let you away with because it impacts the truth of the gospel. That conversation needs to take place, but even then you speak the truth in love. Okay, so takeaways. Redstone Elizabethan. We are finally back and we're face to face. So I'm throwing this back out to you. This theology of kindness. I know we got kids everywhere and it's not you know, like it normally is and we're usually facing that direction or this direction. But just, is there anything happening in your heart with the theology of kindness or any thoughts that aren't controversial <laughs> that it's going to make me go like, really? You had to ask that? You know, that you want to throw out. So do you have any, any pushback, any addition, or any, yeah, here's where I'm convicted that you would want to share. Four questions. Okay, Luke's mic. Right, okay. So I know you probably didn't hear that back there. So what Luke is saying, it's a, it's a default of ours if, um, if we have never been on this side, you know, or we don't know what, you know, the, you know, these people are dealing with or what have you, our default normally is to assume the worst because there's a fear that can take place um, when we don't know, you know, you know, we're going to get on this boat and go somewhere. Well, what, there's a fear because we, you know, I haven't been on the boat before. I wouldn't get on an airplane or whatever. There's just this fear that's there because I've never experienced it, you know, before. So our default is fear. Um, and we, we can only overcome that if we're willing to step in and learn that there was nothing to be afraid of to begin with. Other thoughts? Yeah, I think they are. I think, you know, and this is, can get us down a trail that would be too long and I don't want to go too far into it, but why do we care so much about having to be right? Why is that so important to us? When it comes to the gospel, because it's a matter of life and death. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. So you're saying every other religion doesn't have the answer, right? Christianity is the only one that does. I say that with conviction. So my, in this situation, I'm going to use every bit of rhetoric and persuasion and love or anything that I can to help them to see the truth. 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. I can help that as I, empowered by the Holy Spirit, share a gospel. I mean, we've seen that, Sunshine. You're a good example, you know? Gospel 101, you know? And it was like, I saw when the light came off and Sunshine was like, oh my gosh, I get it. It was a beautiful thing. So we need to do that, okay? But in other situations, that's not life and death, okay? Why do we have to be right all the time? Or why do we have to be liked, you know? Why do we have to, you know, know that people are thinking of us, speaking of, of us, you know, positively? We have an identity crisis. We sometimes care more about what Evan Tyree thinks of me than what Jesus thinks of me. And there's that struggle that's there that's real, and we have to go back to the gospel over and over and over to realize, man, I'm loved by the God of the universe. People in this world probably aren't going to like me. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say, or in this case, it was probably Peter, you know, that if you're going to live, Paul or Peter, but if you're going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. If you're never persecuted, then you're not living a godly life in Christ Jesus anyway. That's part of it. But we just want so badly to be right and to be loved because of our identity struggle, which goes back to the gospel. Okay, maybe one more. Thought, question, point. You want to go there? Okay, what is it? You got one? You ha okay, our last point is this, and it's a good one. This is a coloring book. That was our point. <laughs> yes, the kiddos have coloring books today. That's a great point. Anybody else? Okay, Sunshine? Okay, speak loudly so that Andrew can hear you. I want to rephrase what you said because I want to make sure they heard in the back, okay? So what Sunshine is acknowledging is that she's actually human after all because there's stuff that comes out of her that she's actually disappointed with. You know, whether that be road rage, you know, getting frustrated with people cutting in front of her or this tendency to be rude or short or what have you, okay? It's, it's in all of us. This is Romans 7 where Paul says, I know the things that I shouldn't do and I end up doing them and I know the things I should do and I end up not doing them. He says, who shall rescue me from this body of sin and death? What a wretched man I am. But the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So to sunshine, I would say this, that very next passage in Romans 7 goes to 8, 1 and it says, therefore is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We aren't condemned because we believe what Christ has done. But it doesn't change the fact that it's a good thing for bad things to come out of us because it shows us how dependent we are upon the Lord Jesus for everything. I can't even be kind without the Lord, you know? I don't even, if someone cuts me off, it's like, do you know who I am? I was here first, you know? And we have this response that is just like, oh my gosh, I need the Lord, even when I'm going to the parking lot and there's my parking place and someone pulls in, if stuff starts coming out in that moment, we realize we need more of Jesus. And as long as we're in this world, that's going to happen. It's not a bad thing when it happens, but you said something. And I hadn't talked about this, and I'm going to throw it out to you all. But Sunshine said, gosh, in some places, I think I need to go apologize. Do you hear that? I mean, sometimes when it, we acknowledge that we haven't been kind and we haven't shown perfect courtesy, there might be people that we literally have to go you know, call or knock on the door or have coffee with and they say, hey, remember when and we got into this, Ugh. and I said, man, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. 
that was just wrong on my part. So sometimes that's the best way that we can show courtesy to people. And then sometimes we just need to repent. So this is our call at this moment. And then we're going to sing another worship song and Sam's going to give announcements and we're going to go home. But this is our opportunity to say, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me? If I were to like go get 10 people that are close to you, like really, really close to you and have them fill out a survey, are they going to see, say that you're perfectly courteous or that you're rude? You know, where do you fall in, with these things? And at the end of the day, if we all walked out of here saying, man, we're a mess and we need more of the gospel, then let's acknowledge that. Let's grab a hold of that. Let's repent of our sins. And then let's do better. Because in this moment, like none that I've ever seen before, there's a perfect storm almost for like an internal civil war. And it's going to get better before it gets worse on the political side of things. And we have to be willing to step into August and September and October and November, which are going to be real intense. And we have to be willing to love people and to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake. And at a minimum, consider the needs of other people more important than your own and be kind, the theology of kindness. Let me pray for us. Father, I was um, just nervous about stepping into today. So as always, Lord, I pray that whatever I've said that was confusing or was just from my flesh, it would just fall to the ground and it would be forgotten. And I pray that people would hear the word of God, though. And I pray, God, that your, your spirit would speak to us and speak to our hearts and challenge us where we need to be challenged and help us to repent when we need to repent and help us to be willing to go ask for forgiveness when we need to do that. But at a minimum, Lord, help us to love people well and to be kind to them. In Christ's name I pray, amen.